as a quick highlight and a reminder uh, from last week, uh, we've made a transition in emphasis that uh, Paul has when he gets to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapters 1 through 5, uh, Paul deals with the issue of justification. And justification, he, he's dealing with the issue of the universal need of all people to be saved. He addresses that need through the provision that God has given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, the reality is, sin deserves and demands a payment. The payment that our sin demands is death. And so, sin demands death. That is a physical death, a spiritual death, an eternal death. And so, the solution to overcome the demand that our sin deserves is to put our faith and trust in Jesus. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you've been justified. You've been rendered legally not guilty. The penalty that Jesus paid on the cross is applied to those who believe in Him. Now Paul makes this transition, beginning in chapter 6, about this issue of sanctification. And sanctification begins the moment of our justification. And sanctification is the process by which the believer becomes more and more a reflection of the Son. Right? And, and so, in chapter 6, uh, Paul explains that believers are free from sin's control. Chapter 7, he discusses the ongoing struggle that believers have with sin. And then in chapter 8, he describes how a believer can have victory over sin. See, victory over the practice of sin begins with a proper understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus. So to highlight uh, the, the major principles that I covered from last week, who we are in Christ. Well, according to uh, Romans chapter 6, verse number 3, we have been immersed in Christ. We have been baptized in Christ. And then in verse number 4, we've been baptized in His death and in His resurrection. And verse number 6 tells us that our old sinful self was crucified with Christ. And then in verse number 8, we see that we shall live with Christ both now and for eternity. Which means to be in service unto God. It means that we live in an unbroken service and devotion to our Heavenly Father. Now we begin and we pick up in verse number 12. Begins and it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Uh, right there at the beginning it says, Do not let sin reign. See, our old self has been crucified with Christ. Therefore, we are no longer under the reign or the rule of sin. So the real question that each and every one of us ought to consider this morning is the question, who is reigning in your life today? Who or what sits upon the throne of your heart? As believers, we're no longer under the reign of sin and so why is it that we continue to submit to it? We need to understand what it means to walk in the newness of life that we've been granted in this new birth, this new identity 
that we have in Jesus Christ. I think Paul does a beautiful job explaining that reality and what that looks like. And so maybe we need to understand, what does it mean to walk in newness of life? That's what uh, verse number uh, 4 commands from us. Verse number 4 says, um, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I think Paul addresses this very beautifully. He'll get to some of it later in Romans, but he also captures the essence of it in some of his other letters. For instance, turn with me, if you would, uh, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I don't hear very many pages turning. I don't have it on the screen for you this morning. So Colossians chapter 3, I want you to see this because Paul captures it very beautifully. As believers in Christ, we're no longer under the reign of sin. Therefore, uh, we, we can break free from that bondage, from that enslavement, and we're called to live unto righteousness. So what does it mean to live unto righteousness? Well, look how he writes in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, then keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. And then he begins to list some of them. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And you put on a new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That's the summary of that sanctification process. In verse 11, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcised, uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful that the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, 
and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I think right there in those 17 verses, Paul captures the essence of what it means to embrace this new identity that we have in Christ and the command to which we've been given to walk in the newness of life. These are the things that should characterize those that believe in him. And when I say these are the things, I'm talking about like the things from Colossians 3, verse number 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, the forgiving spirit, love. Those are the, the identifying factors that should characterize the life of those who profess to believe in Jesus Christ. And, and so my question this morning is uh, for us to consider... What characterizes your life? What, 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 how would you describe the things that characterize or drive your life? Is it the things of this world? Is it yourself, your own desires, your own wants, your own wishes? Or are the things that characterize your life the things of God? And so back to to Romans 6, right? Therefore, do not let sin reign. So we have a choice. And so it's, a, it's going to be an ongoing struggle. That's what he's going to address in chapter 7. So do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. See, in our former lives, our old selves, we were under sin. And so our corrupt nature ruled our lives. Sin was the king that was on the throne of our hearts. But that's no longer the case for those that believe in Jesus. Sin is no longer our master. And so it's no longer our master because, according to the text, we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So sin still wants to try to capture us, Sin still seeks to try to rule over us. However, sin has no right to reign over our lives. In fact, sin can only reign in our lives if we allow it to. Sin's no longer our master. Jesus is our master. Therefore, we are to submit and to surrender all that we are and all that we have unto Him. And so, verse number 13 is going to repeat the command in verse number 12, but in a little bit more specific terms. Look at verse 13. It says, do not go on presenting the members of your body. You understand, this includes all that we are. When it says the members of your body, it's talking about our heart, our mind. It's talking about our eyes, our will, it's everything that makes us who we are. It says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. Then he says the phrase, as instruments of unrighteousness. 
that term instruments in the Greek comes from a military term for weapons. So, so what he's saying is, uh, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as weapons of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. So Paul's saying right here, just pause, right? Paul's saying that rather, rather than continuing to offer yourselves to sin or unrighteousness, we are to offer all that we are, all that we have to God for righteousness. Sin's no longer the master of our lives. Jesus is the master. Therefore, because He's our master, then everything that we have, all that we are, belong to Him. Now, imagine, it says in the text, to, to not present the members of our bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. That phrase, alive from the dead. Imagine that God uh, came down and, and he came down to the cemetery and he spoke the words and he, and he raised up all those that have been buried and laid to rest and he raised them up from the ground, right? From the dead. Brings them back to life. And then imagine all those in the cemetery would leave that place and then go and refuse to acknowledge God in any way or in any capacity. And that's what it's like when, when a be- person who claims to be a believer, who, who, who then disregards the one who has set them free from sin and have brought them from death unto life. It would be an absurd reaction from giving new life. Therefore, we should not ignore the one who raised us from the dead. Rather, We should submit and surrender all that we have and all that we are unto Him for His use and for His glory. Paul continues. So he's saying, don't offer your bodies as weapons of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Then he says, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So what does it mean to present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Well, it means that as a believer, we are to submit and to surrender everything. Our minds, our heart, our will, our desires, our dreams, our hands, feet, our arms, our legs, every part of our lives are to be surrendered unto God. And that word present that's used here, present your members, that term present means to offer. It means to, uh, to put at the disposal of, to give, to grant, uh, to turn over to. So the believer is not to offer their body as weapons of unrighteousness if the believer offers their body and uses it as an instrument or a weapon of unrighteousness well that's sin and so we're not to do that we're to present ourselves to be used as instruments or weapons of righteousness 
And so the verb tense that's used in the first part of verse number 13 is a a present tense uh, verb usage. It says, uh, do not go on presenting, which means that we must constantly be on guard against allowing any part of our lives to give in to sin. Instead, we are to present ourselves to God. Here's a significant shift that happens in verb tense usage here. The verb tense changes. It says, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. So in the Greek, this is not written in the present tense. It's written in what's called the aorist tense. This simply means that the believer is to make a one-time decision unto God. A a once and for all dedication and commitment of their lives unto the Father. So a literal translation of this verse would sound something like this. Do not constantly allow sin to reign in your mortal body so that you are constantly obeying its lust. Neither constantly yield your members of your body as weapons of unrighteousness to sin, but... Once and for all, yield yourselves to God. And well, Paul's going to come back to this. He's going to return to this thought by the time we reach Romans chapter 12. I'll put it on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Just like Romans 6.13, the verb present is is the same verb tense. It means to present once and for all, to make a one-time commitment unto the Father. It commands a true commitment of the body to the Lord. Think of it in terms of a wedding ceremony. Just as a bride and a groom in a, in a wedding service, service, just as they commit themselves to each other, that is a, a once and for all commitment. It's a once and for all commitment that determines what they do with their bodies and how they live their lives. So Paul is telling us that this commitment that we make unto God by submitting and surrendering our lives to Jesus and how we live in relation to that commitment that Paul says that is our spiritual service of worship. And sometimes I think we do a disservice to the Christian body when we take gatherings like this and we call it our worship service. Because sometimes we, we get into this mindset that says, okay, I'll give one hour of the week in a worship service unto God. When the reality is, every moment of every day is an opportunity to worship the Father. That is how we're to live our lives. So, so worship service doesn't end at 1130 or whenever the service concludes. No, it just continues on. Our worship service should be an ongoing reality in the life of those that believe. And so, all of us must come to a time in our lives when we place everything 
that we have. And we give it to God. When we present all that we are and all that we have unto Him for His service, for His glory, in the pursuit of righteousness. We must all come to the point when we can declare, God, here I am, alive from the dead. I've been set free from sin. Sin's no longer my master. Jesus is my master. So Father, here I am. Take my body. Take my mind. Take my eyes. Take the things that I listen to. The things that I watch. The words that I speak. Take my arms, my hands, my legs, my feet. Take everything about me, Father, and use them so they might be an instrument of righteousness rather than a weapon of unrighteousness. So the question is, have you done this? Have you surrendered all that you have unto God? Everything. So consider. Is your heart committed to righteousness? Is your mind committed to righteousness? Are your eyes committed to righteousness? Is your mouth or your ears committed to righteousness? No, how about that? Is your work committed to righteousness who even better is your marriage committed to righteousness is your family committed to righteousness is your ministry committed to righteousness oh i can go on is your is your schedule or your calendar committed to to righteousness oh here we get personal is your bank account committed to righteousness Do you live your life in full awareness that all that you are and all that you have belongs to Him? Therefore, He can use your life in any way in order to bring glory unto Himself. That is total surrender. That is living your life in complete awe and awareness. We often say things like, the free gift of salvation. Free implies sometimes cheap. Doesn't cost much. Man, it costs God everything. So we can receive it. The Holy Spirit allows us and, and grants us and, and, and guides and convicts us that, that we might receive that gift of salvation and make that transition from being dead to being brought to life. And now having been brought to life, that we might walk in this newness of life. And we've got to understand that we cannot give or commit some aspects of our lives to righteousness while holding on to other areas of our lives to determine and to use however we choose. It doesn't work that way. You cannot yield some of your life to righteousness and then hold on to the rest of your life to unrighteousness. We're called to, to yield it all. Everything. Everything that we have. All that we are 
are to be used as instruments of righteousness. That's the challenge. There's a, there's a tension that's going to, to play out in these next several chapters. The reality is that we've, those who believe in Jesus Christ have been set free from the reign of sin. And yet, we'll get to the next chapter, and yet we still give into it. It's that ongoing struggle. But that, that giving into that sin should not be, should not characterize who we are. We're, we're not habitually doing this. We, we'll, we'll struggle, and I believe that we'll continue to struggle. It, it, can any of us walk in, in, in perfect righteousness and obedience unto the Father? Yeah. According to the Word of God, we sure can. We have every opportunity to, with every temptation that we face, He's faithful and just to provide the escape route so we don't have to get into that temptation. So, so our struggle with sin isn't a deficiency in God. No, it's a deficiency in us. And so we have this tension. We live in this reality. We know that we haven't uh, received perfect victory over the struggle of our old self. So we continue to yield to it. But that's not what should characterize who we are. Our lives should be characterized by the things of God. And so this this work of sanctification that's happening in the life of the believer is something that doesn't just happen immediately. We're not immediately perfectly sanctified. It's a a process. It's, It's a painful process at times. There are times that, as a believer, that we have to deal with the sin that is present in our lives. And sometimes the dealing with that sin hurts. Sometimes that when God uses other believers and the Word of God to point out the sin that's in our lives, sometimes the way that we respond to that is we reject the ones that have brought that message to us. And we say they're so mean, they're so cruel, they're whatever. Look, that, that, that sanctification that is to be occurring in all of us is something that requires a great deal of patience from everyone. We're not all at the same part or the same progress level of that sanctification. And hopefully we're progressing more and more each and every day, but there are times and there are seasons when all that work towards Christ-like obedience and reflecting the character of our Lord, sometimes that gets set back in our lives. And in those moments, what we need is brothers and sisters in Christ to lovingly tenderly and very straightforwardly to point out that sin and to offer encouragement to walk with us so that we can gain victory over that. And as believers, we ought not reject the voice of the one that comes to us in love to say, hey, can we talk? I'm noticing some old patterns that are coming back into your life and we need to talk about that. As believers, we should receive that, welcome that. Really, we should want that. It's not easy. It hurts. But that's the growth process that's to occur 
within each and every one of us. So those two verses today. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In just a moment, we are going to offer a a, a time to reflect and to respond to the Word of God. So the challenge that is before us is to take His Word and to rightly apply it to our lives. So things to consider. What is the one thing that, that the Father is asking from you today? Is there a commitment that you need to to make unto Him? Are there sins that you need to confess and repent from? In just a moment, as we we sing during this time, the song's going to start off very strong. It's a beautiful hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And think about the words as it begins. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. You're the potter, I am the clay. Make me and mold me after thine will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Like I said earlier, that making and that molding process can be painful at times. So, are you yielded and are you still so that the Father might make you and mold you into His will. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day, for this church. Father, thank You for the beautiful gift of salvation that is offered unto us through faith and trust and commitment in Your Son. God, help us. Father, for those that believe God, help us to know the right things to do with our lives. Help us to live in in total obedience unto you. Father, I ask that your spirit would move among us all today. God, I pray that our response would bring you honor and glory. Help us. We commit this time unto you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.